0: We are in for a great treat tonight. On behalf of the Carmelite Sisters, we welcome you to St. Joseph Campus. Um, Tonight, we're going to hear um, Father Apostoli give us a presentation on his new book, Fatima for Today. So Father Andrew Apostoli is a member of the community of the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal ordained a priest by Bishop Fulton J. Sheen in 1967. Father's been active in teaching, preaching retreats, and parish missions, and in giving spiritual direction. He is here currently leading our um, weekend women's silent retreats. He's an adjunct faculty member of St. Joseph's Seminary in Dunwoody, Yonkers, New York. And in his community, he has served as community servant and novice director. He was instrumental in 1988 in helping to found the community of the Franciscan Sisters of the Renewal who are now flourishing. Currently, he is serving as a vice postulator for the cause of canonization for Archbishop Fulton J. (laughs) Sheen. Father Andrew has been active over the years producing different TV series for EWTN. He has also been giving talks on various spiritual topics, many of which are available as Videos, DVDs, CDs, and tapes. He has written seven books and three pamphlets, and a number of them are in the back for your, uh, if you're interested to purchase. So um, tonight we're honored this evening to have Father with us to share with us the urgent Marian message of hope. Please join me in welcoming Father Andrew Apostoli.
1: Thank you very, very much. I uh, want to express my gratitude to the sisters for arranging for this talk. <laughs> there we go, okay. Uh, I, I, I'm very grateful for the sisters arranging for this talk because originally it was not scheduled. It was not in their, their um, regular booklet that they sent around. I got a copy of that and saw all the talks that they were having. But in the past, I, they've asked me at times to give a talk during the evening. I would do these two weekends, and then they asked me to stay so that I could be available for that second weekend, and I'd do like a private retreat during this time, And um, uh, but I, I knew that I'd like to have an opportunity to speak to you about this very important message of Our Lady of Fatima, and so that's why... I uh, asked them if they could arrange this, so I'm very, very grateful, and I'm grateful for you being here tonight, okay? Maybe we could say a little prayer in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Fatima, Amen. Saint Joseph, Amen. and all holy angels and saints of God. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. I'd like to greet you with a little greeting of Saint Francis. May the Lord give you his peace. You know, uh, uh, I, this, I'd like to tell you a little bit about how this book came to be. I write for a magazine called Envoy. I do a spiritual article for them uh, when every issue that they put out. And I had done a whole series on the works of mercy, the corporal works of mercy, you know, feeding the hungry and uh, sheltering the homeless and so on. And also the spiritual works of mercy, you know, to instruct the ignorant, counsel the doubtful, forgive sins, sinners, and so on. And um, I approached Ignatius Press, because they are the biggest Catholic press in the United States, and I always wanted a book by them. (laughs) So I approached them and asked them, would you publish this book on the works of mercy? And uh, they said, yes. Then they turned around and (laughs) said to me, would you write a book on Fatima for us? And so I had worked with them on a DVD called the, The 13th Day. I don't know if you've had a chance to see that, it's a very simple presentation of the the basic events of Fatima, not so much an explanation of the whole message, but the events that happened when Our Lady appeared. It didn't show anything of the angel's message and uh, appearances and so on, but they asked me to, to do that, and that's how this book came about. It took me about 14 months, and um, I just felt... You know there were times I really wanted to give up writing it because it was very, very difficult i uh, was having a hard time and I was using this dragon voice uh, machine that you you know you speak into and and supposed to type well every time I said the name Jacinta, I got just into. You know, and uh, the dragon wasn't on the ball, I guess. And, uh, so it was a hard, it was a hard thing to do. But I really felt what kept me going. I'll be honest with you. I felt the blessed mother wanted me to do it for her, and I said, "For her, I will do it." You know, you can't, you can't let your mother down, right? You've got to do it when she asks for something. We've got to do it with all our heart. And I, I just feel that um, it became a great grace. I just got back from Fatima. In fact, one of the ladies here also was on our beautiful conference pilgrimage that we had there um, last Wednesday. I returned. We were there for a whole week. It was a wonderful conference. We had 150 people. I was amazed that we got that many to come. And um, we had the bishops, present and past of Fatima, come and speak, uh, the rectors of the shrine, and so on. And I learned an awful lot. You know uh, about Fatima, but I know that uh, many of the people got the book and were reading it, and uh, people have been telling me that it, they've learned a great, great deal. And it is important that we learn about this message. It's not par- passe, okay? Fatima is not something of the past. When Pope Benedict the, was in Fatima last May, he was there for the 10th anniversary of the beatification of Little Jacinta and Francisco. Uh, he said, "Those who think that the prophetic message of Fatima is is over are very mistaken. In other words, we have we it cannot end. The Fatima message cannot end until we come to the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And despite what you may hear from many sources, we are moving toward that. And uh, even the Pope even expressed the hope." that maybe within the next seven years, which would put it 2017, 100 years from the apparitions of Our Lady, that we will see the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. A lot of things are happening in the world right now. Strange things, aren't they? The whole Arab world is in some kind of turmoil. We see these terrible events happening and natural catastrophes and earthquakes and so on, tsunamis and the like and we wonder, what is happening? <laughs> um, I think what we need to do is take seriously this message and live it. I believe that, I've been convinced of this for years, that Fatima holds the key to the whole future. We must do what Our Lady said. And uh, I believe that Pope Benedict Sixteenth believes that also. You know, when he said... He said, learn the message of Fatima, live the message of Fatima, and spread the message of Fatima. In fact, one month after he became Holy Father, he was telling people to learn about Fatima. Remember, he was involved, he was deeply involved with the promulgation of the Third Secret there in the year 2000 when um, the Pope beatified, remember, Blessed Jacinta, Blessed Francisco, I was at that Mass there in Fatima, a glorious moment, and um, the, the third secret was revealed, and uh, Cardinal Ratzinger, now Holy Father Pope Benedict, uh, had a lot to do with that. Let me explain to you how I approached this book, and I can kind of use that in the talk tonight. Then I'd like to open it up for questions. Uh, sister, how long do we go? Do we go an hour, or? Okay. If you willing to sit there, I'll try my best to stand here, and uh, we'll do as much as we can, and I'd like to answer any questions that you may have. The way I approached this book was um, in uh, four things. I wanted to present the historical events of the apparitions of the angel. Remember, there was the angel of peace. He called himself also the angel of Portugal, who appeared three times to the children okay, in 1916. Once in the in the spring, once in the summer, once in the fall, all right. They those apparitions prepared the children for Our Lady's coming, beginning on May fifth, uh, May thirteenth, nineteen seventeen. Okay, so I'd like to go through a little bit of the historical uh, events there and what happened, and then I'd like to. I, I also made it a point to explain the spiritual. meaning of the message of Our Lady. In other words, a lot of people hear, well, we've got to do this and that, and they don't know what it means. They don't know how to put it into practice. And particularly of very great importance is the five first Saturdays devotion. We absolutely need this. And Sister Lucia used to say it was the most neglected part of the Fatima message. And if we want to see the conversion of the world and not just Russia, even our own country, we have to do the five-first Saturdays devotion. Not enough people are doing it. Okay, everybody was looking at the Pope. Did he make the consecration? Believe me, he made it. He was no—he's no fool. John, pope John Paul II, and I'll explain to you how he did it. Okay. The third thing that it was important is what is the message for our times? Okay, how is it relevant? to us today, and I'd like to bring you up to date and things that are happening in Russia, which most people have no idea is going on, you know, but great things are happening in the, there with the faith in Russia. And finally, try to deal with the objections that were part of the, against the consecration and the releasing of the third secret, okay? So I'd like to try to uh, deal with these questions. Now, the first thing I wanted to do in my book I presented was Mary's role, okay, in salvation history. Pope John Paul II said, about a year or two before he became Holy Father, he said, we are presently in the greatest spiritual struggle the Catholic Church has seen in her 2,000-year history, and most Catholics are completely unaware that struggle is going on. He said, what's at stake is not one country or one area He said it's the whole entire Christian culture that has built up for 2,000 years. For example, the sanctity of life. that We recognize life as having a sanctity because it's God-given life from conception to natural death. That's, as you know, that is being challenged today in so many parts of the world. You know, abortion, euthanasia, assisted suicide, all the whole culture of death, as Pope John Paul called it. Secondly there's also the the dignity of marriage Christian marriage one man one woman husband and wife okay and uh, no other alternatives no living together no same sex marriages these things are challenging the Christian notion of marriage okay and and finally religious rights freedoms that we have the the, the right to freely live our faith and our beliefs okay all of these things are certainly at stake, and Pope John Paul said, this is the greatest struggle the Church has seen in 2,000 years. And you know why? Because nothing was so methodical, methodically against religion as the so-called isms of the 20th century. Communism, Nazism, fascism. Okay? They actually were determined to destroy religion, particularly communism. That's why Our Lady stressed that. You have to remember one thing about Russia: Russia was the the country most dedicated to the Blessed Virgin Mary before the communists took over. No country in the world had more devotion to the Blessed Mother than, than Russia. It was called holy Russia all right so it was very very uh, Our lady had very great love for Russia. in fact, our Lord told Sister Lucia when the the, the consecration was not made when it should have been made by pius the um, Pius XI, we'll talk about that. Why didn't he make it? We don't know. We, 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 can't give an, we can't give a decent explanation of why he didn't make the consecration. He should have. He had 10 years to do it, but he didn't do it. Okay? That allowed communism to spread. But our Lord told Sister Lucia, the Pope will make it, but he will make it late. Communism will spread, but Russia will be saved, he said, because Russia is in the hands of my mother. Okay? And Russia is being saved now. They're doing better than we are, believe me, okay? Now, let's look at Mary's role in Scripture and two great saints that talked about her at this particular time. We know that ever, I would say, ever since the apparition of Our Lady of Guadalupe, 1531 in Mexico, we've had great apparitions of Mary, haven't we? We had, you know, we had the uh, Rue de Bac, you know, the miraculous medal in Paris to St. Catherine Laboree. We had uh, the apparitions of Our Lady to St. Bernadette there in Lourdes. Huh? St. Bernadette was very, very simple. You know, she was so simple that the Blessed Mother said to her, I want you to pray for the conversion of sinners. And she said to Our Lady, what does that mean? Our Lady said, just pray. Okay. So even the Blessed Mother wasn't going to try to explain it to Bernadette because she was so simple. Okay. Then, of course, came Fatima. And probably no apparition has ever received such papal attention. And remember, it's a, private, it's, a, it's a private revelation. It's not part of the revelation that ended with the 12 apostles. The death of the 12 apostles, public revelation ended. All other revelations, apparitions, and so on are private. And usually what they do is emphasize some teaching of the church that's being neglected or that's necessary for that time. Okay? So what happened was that... Um, the uh, the our, our our blessed lady appeared. You know the holy fathers have been involved. Three popes have been there. Pope Paul the sixth went there as pope. He was the first pope to go there. Pope John uh, although Pope John the twenty third went, but he wasn't pope. He was a cardinal at the time. Pope John Paul the went three times. Okay, and Pope Benedict has been there once already. Okay, so. Uh, so much attention, and we had a consecration done by the Pope and all the bishops of the world. You know, this is something that no other uh, apparition of Our Lady ever requested. And that's why we see this message as so important. In fact, what she predicted would happen has happened. Okay, we'll see that as we go through the the revelation. So the first thing is, what is Mary's role then? Let's go to Scripture. You go to the first book in Scripture, the book of Genesis. Genesis. Right after the fall of our first parents, what does God say to the serpent? I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. You shall strike at his heel, and he shall crush your head. Okay? When St. Jerome translated that, he changed it. He said, you shall strike at her heel, and she shall crush your head. And that's why we've always thought of Mary now. When you see the statue of the Immaculate Conception, the serpent under her feet crushing his head. Why? Because he didn't have, for one moment, any power or influence over the Blessed Mother. That's why he hates the Immaculate Conception so very much, okay? And he hates Mary, of course. Um, so, beginning of Scripture, Mary and the serpent. What is the last book of, uh, of the Bible? Revelation. What do we see? St. John tells us, in the heavens open, and I saw the Ark of the Covenant... Okay, which is a symbol also to Blessed mother because it's a symbol of Christ. Huh? You, had the, you had the commandments there in the ark. Moses put the commandments that God gave. He put the staff of Aaron, the priest, the high priest. Jesus was the high priest. Jesus was the lawgiver. And put the loaves of the manna. Remember, in, that, in the ark of the covenant, Jesus gave us the Eucharist. Hmm. So what happens? He sees the ark of the covenant, and then he said, A great sign appeared in the heavens. A woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars. One of the brothers in my community said, we got a 12-star general leading us. <laughs> they don't come that big in the U.S. Army. <laughs> so we got, the, we got the Blessed Mother leading us. huh? So she's there, okay, 12 stars. And who is she opposing? What other sign appears immediately? The dragon, the red dragon. When Pope John Paul II gave a talk in Fatima in 1982, he practically identified the red dragon as communism. Okay? And uh, she was the one who would oppose the dragon. Okay? So Mary's in this battle, and she has a very important role in it. Now, let's look at two saints who were very Marian and who sort of spoke about the, what was coming. One of them was St. Louis de Montfort. Okay, if you've ever read his beautiful book, the you know, the true devotion to Mary, Pope uh, John Paul II said he had to read it a number of times, but he he said to he finally understood the depth of Saint Louis de Montfort's teaching. That's where he got that big M remember, on his coat of arms, and the words to us, I'm all yours, and um and so what did Saint Louis de Montfort say? He said that in the in the in the coming generations the Blessed Mother will be preparing her sons and daughters for a great struggle. He says it right there. You know, she's going to prepare her sons and daughters for this great struggle. This means you and me, okay, for a great struggle. Then then we look at uh, St. John Bosco. He had prophetic dreams, remember? And uh, in one of them, he sees the, the, the church as a great ship surrounded by all these enemy ships that are trying to destroy it. And out of the sea come two columns. The top of the higher column was the Blessed Sacrament. The top of the lower column was the Blessed Mother. And St. John Bosco, who lived in the 1800s, said, in the next century, so the 1900s, he said, I foresee some of the greatest battles in the church's history await her. And God is going to give only two means to save the church, devotion, to the Eucharist, devotion to Mary. John Paul, Pope John Paul II, into the third millennium, remember, he wrote a letter in 2002 about the Rosary of the Blessed Mother. By the way, the request for the Rosary to be said every single day was the only thing Our Lady repeated in all six apparitions, to pray the Rosary every day. She said the Rosary is powerful enough to stop world wars, bring world peace, convert sinners. The rosary Padre Pio said was his weapon. <laughs> right? He used to say, is there any prayer more beautiful than the prayer Our Lady herself gave us, than the rosary? He said always oh, pray the rosary. He said the Blessed Mother gave us the rosary, but the devil's always trying to take it away from us. Don't let him take your rosary away from you. Pray it every day as Mary requested for the peace of the world and the conversion of sinners. They go together, by the way. With the conversion of sinners, we will have peace. Because War comes, you know, as a punishment for sin. But little Jacinta said that. She said, Our Lady told her, wars are the punishment of sin. And so, um, so, so say John Bosco has this dream, and uh, he says that, you know, he, we know that the, through devotion to the Eucharist and through devotion to Our Lady, we will, the Church will be renewed, and the Church will become stronger in overcoming her enemies, hopefully converting them and bringing world peace. So Mary is in this battle. Okay. Now, let's move to Portugal Okay. in 1915. Remember, the First World War was going on. The Pope at the time was Pope Benedict XV. He tried everything he could diplomatically to bring the countries together, but there was such bitter nationalism and hatred of one country against another, he couldn't get anywhere. They called World War I the war to end all wars. Unfortunately, it didn't. And, um, and so, when he tried desperately to get the nations to talk about peace um, and was not successful, he said, There is someone who will listen. He began a novena to the Blessed Mother okay, in May 1917. On the eighth day of the novena, which was a Sunday that year, it was May 13th. Uh, it was uh, May 13th, by the way, is the was traditionally the feast of Our Lady of the Blessed Sacrament. See, Our Lady and the Eucharist come together very much at Fatima. And so um, he began that novena, and on the, the 13th of May, 1917, the Blessed Mother made her first apparition. Now, I told you that there were three apparitions by the angels. Let's look at those, for, uh, even before I get to that, I just want to give you one little thing about background here. In fa- in Portugal, they used to have a Christian king. He was killed. Okay, The Masons took over. They were atheistic. They were anti-religious. They were persecuting the church. And the president, the Masonic uh, president of Portugal said, in two generations there will be nothing left of Catholicism in Portugal. Boy, God must have laughed at that huh? Mother Teresa used to say, "You want to make God laugh? just tell him your plans." <laughs> he must have had a big laugh over that one <laughs> and um and so um so the the Masons were you know in control, persecuting the church, and so on all right and so and that 's why later on in Russia, the communists the Bolsheviks took you know. They took the atheistic doctrine and over, overthrew you know the royal family there, the, the Russian family Nicholas II, and executed his family, and then the the communist revolution took place. Um, okay, so so that's the background there, okay the, the world the war, war, war I'm sorry, the world is at war, okay, World War I. About 20 million people died in that war, okay. And later on, right after that, it was a plague that took another 20 million lives. In fact, that's when Jacinta and Francisco died. They died of that plague, right after World War One. Uh, they said if World War One had gone on for another maybe four or five months, they said half of Europe would starve to death. That's how desperate it was. Okay. So Our Lady, I uh, said so the angel came now. The first apparition took place in a little place where the, uh, the children used to bring their sheep. Okay, Remember, Lucia was the oldest of them. Lucia de Santos, she was 10 years old. Okay, Then she had her two little cousins. They were brother and sister. Francisco was nine. Uh, he was very shy, very quiet. He loved to play the flute. One thing he loved to do for his little sister, Jacinta, who was only seven, she loved to dance. So he, he would play his flute and she would dance. And they loved to be with their cousin, Lucia. So that's how the three of them piled around. And they, they both took care of the flocks of sheep of their families. So they bring them together up to a place called the Cabeso and um, they were grazing them this one day, and all of a sudden they, they thought it was a lightning, and, and the next thing they saw, this young man, they described him about looking about 14, 15 years old, full of light, and he was an angel. And he told them not to be afraid, and he taught them a prayer called the, 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 the pardon prayer. My God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love you, and I beg pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love you. I think we have copies of that for you, I think, as you, when you leave. All right. The prayers of Fatima. So he told them to pray this. Okay. Well, they were little kids. You know, they liked their games. And they used to, especially Francisco, he liked to say the short rosary. Hail Mary, Holy Mary. Hail Mary, Holy Mary. You know. And and so, so what happened was um, in the summer, the, the Angel came again. They were near this uh, well. You can go visit the well there and uh, it 's right down from lucia 's house, and the children were playing their games and the Angel says, "What are you doing? He startled them what are you doing you 're supposed to be praying and this really affected them. They really got into praying. They said he said, "Jesus and Mary have great designs for you see so they became they really became very prayerful and uh uh, the third time he appeared back at the Cabezo, where they had had the first apparition. In fact, there's a little little shrine there now of statues of the children. And what it was, the angel came. And the little children were already praying. By the way, this is interesting. When he taught them to pray, he would kneel and bow his head to the ground. Now, I don't suggest you do that. That was a sign of reverence, okay? I mention that in my book, too. <laughs> Most people can't handle that. You might not get up, okay? Uh, you try to, you know, put your head down. Your, your blood will be rushing to your head and, you know, uh, we'll have problems. Um, so, but reverence, see? But they, isn't that that's the way the Muslims pray, right, with their heads bowed like that? Okay, so the little children were praying like that, and the cabeso now remember they became very fervent after the second uh, apparition where the angel kind of scolded them a little bit, and all of a sudden, they look up and there 's this light, and the angel appears with the eucharist he 's holding the chalice with his left hand, and the host is suspended above it, and then and the, there 's precious blood dripping from the host into the chalice, and then he leaves it like that and uh, and he comes with the children and they bow down. And he teaches them that other prayer, you know, it's called the angel's prayer, which is of adoration and reparation, okay? A reparation for the outrages, the sacrileges, and the indifferences. Outrages would be like, you know, when the, the, the Eucharist is desecrated or these uh, satanic people get in the black masses, they use the Eucharist and desecrate the Eucharist. Um, Sacrileges would be knowingly receiving holy Communion, mortal sin when a person's not ready to receive communion, that's offensive to God. So to make reparation for these things, and then finally, to make reparation for, for the uh, indifference of people, the neglect in respect and love for the Eucharist. So the angel taught them that, and Lucia is the only one who had received her first holy Communion. She used to go to the religious instructions when she was only six years old. She would accompany one of her older sisters, and um, they. She would. She learned all about the faith. And when it came time for communion, they told her you can't receive. She was so heartbroken, and she went to another priest and she told him, "I know all the, you know, the catechism and everything." And he tested her, and she did. So he went to the pastor and said, "She could receive. She understands." And uh, so she received communion. And, you know, we visited the church there in Fatima, uh, and uh, on the wall there's a statue there, and Lucia said, the day she received her first communion, the statue smiled at her. You know? So, interesting. Um, so, anyway, the, the the angel gave the host to Lucia, because she had received her first communion. The other two children hadn't received her first communion, but he let them drink the precious blood. Okay? And so they had a great devotion for the Eucharist. They loved the Eucharist. Lucia, never, uh, Jacinta never received the Eucharist again. Francisco did. They allowed him to receive once before he died. See, these facts, by the way, of those apparitions of the angel were not revealed till about the 1940s. And we're talking, they, they died in 1919, around that time. So... Uh, until these facts of the angel, nobody knew that they had received that, that Holy Communion. See? Now, that set the stage. One of the things the angel taught them to do was make sacrifices. And Lucia said, well, what is a sacrifice? What can we do? She said, well, you can make a sacrifice of anything. If you make a morning offering, uh, offering up everything you do during the day, that's a sacrifice. We offer that as a little offering to, to Jesus. And she taught them, they her on learned the little prayer uh, from the Blessed Mother. Uh, Jesus, this is for love of you and reparation for the offenses against the Immaculate Heart of Mary and for the conversion of sinners. That's the sacrifice prayer. See? And Our Lady was going to ask for prayer and sacrifice for the conversion of sinners. Very essential. Okay. Now the children were taught a great generosity. So when the Blessed Mother came, remember the angel had told them Jesus and Mary uh, have great they have great designs for you. Okay? So in may thirteenth, let's go back to that, okay? They were taking care of the sheep, they thought lightning was coming, they were ready to go back to their homes, but yet they didn't see any they didn't see any sign of rain or anything. Then all of a sudden the blessed mother appeared. They described her as a beautiful woman. They asked her where she was from, and she said, I'm from heaven. And uh, she didn't reveal who she was until the October apparition. She told the children, I want you to come back here every month uh, for the next five months up until October on the 13th of each month, and then I will tell you who I am. And then the children asked if they were going to go to heaven. And by the way, one of the interesting things that they asked about purgatory, uh, two little, two young girls who had died. One was 16, one was 18 or 20. Uh, and the first one, Our Lady said, was already in heaven. The second one, and this astounds startles a lot of people, she said she will be in purgatory till the end of the world, you know kind of wonder what was she doing at least she's going to make it you know she's not going to be lost in hell but she may have been living a bad life but had the grace of a deathbed conversion and didn't have time to make up for her sins but that's what our lady had told them that purgatory is a real thing so uh, that was the first message and our lady asked them will you accept sufferings you know For you know, uh, from God, for the conversion of sinners and peace in the world, and they said yes. See, they became very generous. Remember, through those sacrifices, and um, for Lucia, her family didn't even believe that what she was saying about the about the apparition. They thought she made the whole story up. The mother almost didn't believe until she saw the miracle of the sun, and even then, she had some doubts so Lucia suffered very greatly from her family Jacinta and Francisco their father said look if my daughter and my son said they saw a woman in the, in the cova they saw a woman because they don't lie you know that's what he went on you know and, um, so, and you know that next month Lucia didn't even want to go back That's how distraught she was. People were making fun of her, her friends and kids, and, you know, people living in a village there, you know, were mocking her, you know. And uh, so finally she did make it back on the 13th of June, which in Portugal is a very big beast, St. Anthony. So remember, St. Anthony was not born in Padua. He was born in Lisbon, and that's in Portugal. So the Portuguese claim him as their saint, and they call him St. Anthony of Lisbon, okay? Um, the Italians call him St. Anthony of Padua. When, the Pope, when Pope John Paul went there, he did an interesting thing. He said to the people, he was talking to all these Portuguese, so he says the first thing, he says, well, St. Anthony is not St. Anthony of Padua. Well, they all cheered, because that's what they've been saying, you know? Then he says, St. Anthony is not St. Anthony of Lisbon, and there was silence. And then he goes... He goes. Saint Anthony was Saint Anthony of the whole world, you know. Then they all cheered, you know. So anyway, on that day, a small crowd of about fifty people gathered, and um, Blessed Mother appeared again. And she asked them, "Are you suffering?" She, and they said, "Yes." And um, then they asked about going to heaven, and Our Lady said, "I will take Jacinta and Francisco soon, but you, Lucia, you have to learn to read and write." and you will be the one who will promote my message. You'll be here a little bit longer. She was there till she was 97, okay? And uh, she, but she's the one who spread the message. And Our Lady said, My Immaculate Heart will be with you all the time. Okay, so, so that, on the, the, the second habitation, take a look at the book here, because there's a lot of things. I don't want to give every little detail. If you're going to get the book, you can read that. But, um, uh, but Our Lady, let's see here. The second, I want to get to the July apparition. That's the most important as far as the doctrine there. Um, Little Jacinta made, uh, Lucia made requests of Our Lady. People were asking for healing and so on. She would often say, if they're good, if they're they're converted, if they live good lives, she would would answer their requests. And um, one of the interesting things is at the end of the apparition, Our Lady... Uh, the first two apparitions, he opened their hands and the children were enveloped in a light. They said they could see themselves in God and they even said the light was God, you know, and that they saw themselves so clearly and the the, the light had such an impact over them. Even the angel had let them experience something like that. They couldn't even talk to each other. It, it They were like in a deep ecstasy I and mean, it took them a while to come out of it you know, before they could talk to one another there. So it was an overwhelming spiritual experience there. Now, the third apparition, okay, the July apparition, as far as the, the teaching, the doctrine, or the message, this is the most important, okay? The miracle of the sun was the most important to prove that she was there, okay? So what happened on July, okay? We, we break it down into three secrets. The first part or three parts of this apparition, The first part was the children saw hell. And you might say, well, why would the Blessed Mother let these little children see hell? To tell the world hell is real. It was an overwhelming experience. But little Jacinta used to say, she was the most affected by it. She was the youngest. She used to say, I wish everybody would see hell, then nobody would ever go there. Hmm? And... um, and, you know, it gave them such a zeal to pray for the conversion of sinners, which we should do. You know, hell is real. We don't like to talk about it. We don't like to think about it. But we've got to make sure we don't go there. Hmm? Uh, it's like uh, the example of the man that went to confession to Padre Pio. And Padre Pio told him, you better change your life. He says, you're going to end up in hell. The guy said, well, I don't believe in hell. And Padre Pio said, you will when you get there. <laughs> a little bit too late, though, huh? Okay. So that was the first part of the secret. The second part of the secret was, Our Lady told them, the war, World War I, will end. An era of peace will come if people do what I say. However, if not, another more terrible war would come. Okay? and what, She even gave a sign. If you see a night lit up by an unknown light during the time of Pius XI, know that this is the sign that another war will begin and it happened on July, January 25th, 26th, 1939. Pius eleventh was still alive. And um, they had an experience in northern Europe and in North America that they couldn't describe in any other way, but they said it was an aurora borealis. Yet the aurora borealis does not happen that far south. It's up at the North Pole. And, um, and, but they didn't know what else to call it. But that was the sign and World War II began. And that took the lives of 50 million people. Um, And it was also, later on, Sister Lucia said it was a worse war because it was aimed at the total destruction of the Jewish people. And remember, Christ had come from the Jewish people, his, his human life, you know, he was born of Jewish background, Blessed Mother, the apostles, and they were trying to destroy them. In fact, when Hitler realized that he could not win, the Second World War, when he when his army got stopped at Stalingrad, the Battle of Stalingrad was the turning point. Then he began to deport the Jews to the concentration camps even more rapidly than he did before. Okay, So, um, so in that sense, it had also a deep religious significance. So Our Lady predicted another war. Then she also predicted an evil would begin in Russia that would spread her errors around the world, and that was communism. She said, I will come to ask for two things, not one thing, two things. I will ask for the consecration of Russia to my Immaculate Heart by the Holy Father. And then I will ask for the um, Five First Saturdays Devotion. What, we, what She called it the Communion of Reparation. We call it the Five First Saturdays Devotion. She said, I will come back and ask for both these things. She came back in 1925 when Sister Lucia... Was a postulant with the Sisters of Saint Dorothy, okay, and she um, <clears throat> she asked for the the uh, the five first Saturdays devotion. What happened was, the Blessed Mother appeared in the room, the little cell of Sister Lucia, and she appeared with the Christ Child. Okay, in fact, before the apparition took place, uh, Sister Lucia was sweeping in front of the convent, and what happened was, a little boy came along. And she said to the little boy, do you know the Hail Mary? And he said, yes. And she said, "Alright, say it. And he wouldn't say it. He said it, In fact, he asked her twice, to, asked him twice to say it. Then finally he said, you know what? Up at the church, there's a beautiful statue of the Blessed Mother. Why don't you go up to the church and pray in front of the statue? So he went up. Okay. Later on that afternoon, <laughs> when the Blessed Mother came, she came with that little boy. It was a Christ child. That's why he didn't say the Hail Mary. He doesn't pray to his mother, you see. <laughs> so, so, um, and what happened was, the Blessed Mother, he was on a little cloud, by the way. Christ child. Blessed Mother was right near her. Her heart was surrounded by a crown of thorns. And so the ch- Christ child spoke first to Sister Lucia. He said, You see the heart of your mother surrounded by thorns put there by evil men. Who will take those thorns out of the heart of your mother? Then Our Lady spoke, and she said to Sister Lucia, At least you do it for me. And then tell anyone who will go to confession, receive Holy Communion, say one rosary, and then spend 15 minutes meditating on the rosaries with the intention of making reparation to my Immaculate Heart for all the offenses against it. I will give the graces of salvation that are necessary for salvation at the time of their death. Okay? But then the Christ child later on said, tell the people, don't make the devotion once, keep making it. Why? Because he wants our prayers. He wants our sacrifices, you see, Uh, so that we, so that he can use that for the conversion of sinners. See, and I call that, I have a special appendix at the end of my book. On the 5 First Saturdays Devotion, I call it Our Lady's Spiritual Formation Program. If you want to get into Our Lady's Spiritual Formation Program, do the 5 First Saturdays Devotion. Remember I told you, Sister Lucia said it's the most neglected part of the message of Fatima and probably one of the most important. Because it's specifically what Our Lady asked for the conversion of Russia. See, everybody's been wor- worrying about whether the Pope... Made the consecration. Forget about it. It's done. The Pope did his part. Believe me. Okay. What we're not doing is our part. We're not doing the five first Saturdays devotion in the numbers that we have to do it. And that's one of the reasons why I made a big effort to explain this devotion. What do you do? You go to confession. By the way, you can go to confession a week before or after. And if you make the five first Saturdays devotion, same confession can apply for both of them. Okay. Then you receive Holy Communion on a 24-hour period of a first Saturday of the month. Then you offer a rosary, five decades of the rosary. Usually on Saturday, it's the joyful mysteries. And then spend 15 minutes in heart-to-heart talk with Mary, using one or another mystery, all of them, or some of them, one of them, to offer reparation to Mary. And uh, later on, Sister Lucia's um, spiritual director asked her, why are there only five first Saturdays? Why not seven or nine? So she asked our Lord. The Lord appeared to her again. He, she was in a place called Ponta v- uh, yeah, Vedra in Spain. Okay, she was a, As I said, she was a postulant. And when our Lord appeared to her, he said, the reason there's only five first five Saturdays is because there are five blasphemies against the heart of my mother. And what are those blasphemies? Those who blaspheme Mary's immaculate conception. Remember, I told you the devil must hate that, because she was the first one, who over whom he had no influence at all. She was the beginning of the breaking down of his kingdom. Secondly, blasphemies against her immaculate, her uh, perpetual virginity. And of course, in a Uh, you know the sex crazy world we live in today that would be such an offense such a rebuke to so many people and it's also a strength to our living our chastity according to our vocation the chastity for the married the single the consecrated people okay mary's perpetual virginity is a beautiful support and encouragement for chastity thirdly Um, that those who blaspheme Mary's divine motherhood as the mother of God and also being our mother. Fourthly, blasphemy uh, for those who keep the young from her, especially publicly, those countries, nations, and even individuals. I I stress the idea of the families that keep their young children. After all, Mary's a mother, and a mother has a a right to the love of all her children, and all her children have a right to her love. Uh, the, The fourth the, the, the fifth um, re- reparation of blasphemy is um, for those who destroy the images of Our Lady or those who, you know, desecrate it in some way. Remember they had that cow dung picture of the Blessed Mother done in New York? Remember that? It was horrible. Absolutely horrible. Or down, in, in, um, down there in um, New Orleans... Now this is a little bit, but this is true. You know, they have these decadent week, decadence weekends down there. Okay, you get a lot of sleazy people go down there. They had a float with the with Christ completely naked, and the Blessed Mother half naked. That happened before Katrina. They were going to have another decadence weekend. That weekend, Katrina hit. You know. I believe there was probably some connection. You know, God is patient, but God has a limit too, you know? Um, and so we have to make reparation for these sins because they, the people who do this will be lost if someone does not offer prayers and sacrifices for them, see? So that was the second part of the... Oh, then she asked for the consecration. She came back in 1929 She asked, you ever see that picture of the God the Father? You see him from the waist up, and then the Holy Spirit like a dove, and then Christ on the cross, and the blood coming down. says grace is in mercy. And then on the other side, the blood goes in, the precious blood goes into a chalice, and then um, the Blessed Mother standing there with the rosary, Lady of Fatima, that was the apparition at a place in in Spain called Tui. And it was during that apparition that... um, Our Lady told Sister Lucia, tell the Pope now to make the consecration. Okay, I'll get back to that in a moment. The third secret, okay, the third part, which was kept to the very last, all right, to be revealed, wasn't revealed until the year 2000 at the beatification mass of uh, Blessed Jacinta and Francisco. It started off with an angel holding a flaming sword. He was ready to touch the earth, which would have meant the earth would have been engulfed in fire. The blessed mother put her hand out and these breezes from the hand of Our Lady stopped the fire from touching the earth. And then the angel cried out, Penance, penance, penance. The next thing the children saw, they saw a city that was bombed out, burned out. There were dead bodies there and a group of people walking through like a procession, walking through the city, walking up a mountain. Okay, The first one in the procession was a bishop in white. And the children assumed, they didn't know who it was, but they assumed it was a pope because the pope is the only bishop addresses in white. Okay? He climbs the mountain. He's praying at the foot of the cross and he's shot. Okay? Now that's in the third secret. Later on, all these other oh, all these other people are, I'll try to step back. Maybe, is that okay? Uh, is it too loud? Okay. Uh, the The Pope, the, I mean, the, the people going up the mountain, all of them are shot. These are all the martyrs from the 20th century, the concentration camps, all those that's in the Spanish Civil War, the, the Mexican martyrs and all of them. That's what they saw. This whole list of people, you know, included lay people, religious bishops, priests, okay? And, and that's why what happens is, Christ is on the cross and there were two angels there with these big containers, aspersoriums, and they were receiving the blood of Christ and the blood of the martyrs joined to that and then sprinkling the martyrs with the blood of Jesus. See, I think that's why Pope John Paul said we are going to have a new springtime in the church because the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Have you ever heard that expression? The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. In other words, In the first three centuries, we had so many martyrs. And that's what allowed Christianity to get a foothold and spread throughout the Roman Empire and beyond, you know, around the world. And that's why they think, Pope John, must have figured with all of these martyrs, all of this suffering for the church, the church will have a new springtime. And that's what we're, you know, Pope Benedict's guiding us to the new evangelization and so on. So, now let's go back to that, what happened with the consecration, okay? And that third secret, all right? What happened was the, the consecration, Sister Lucia, when the, when the Blessed Mother in 1929, when she said, now is the time to tell the Pope to make the consecration with all the bishops of the world. The Pope was Pius XI. We don't know why he didn't make the consecration. We're not sure. I know, reading the life of Padre Pio, Padre Pio suffered terribly under Pius XI, not because of him, but because the investigation of Padre Pio was left in the hands of the Holy Office. The Pope was trying to deal with the rise of Nazism and communism and, you know, all these things. And and later on, when they asked him why he was so severe on Padre Pio, he said, he said, I was badly misinformed. He may have been misinformed about the consecration. We also know there were communists who had infiltrated into the Vatican. I had put in my book a very uh, very important story about a woman named Bella Dodd. Bella Dodd grew up in the Bronx. She went to the same high school a couple of my brothers went to. She was a socialist. She was a, uh, a lawyer. She became a communist in 1930. In 1930, Stalin was, of course, the head of the Communist Party. And Stalin had been uh, a seminarian one time, and he read Darwin, and he said Darwin proved that uh, God doesn't exist. And so um, he became an atheist. He stayed in the seminary and got thrown out for reading pornography. First thing he did as premier of Russia when the communists took over, he went to that seminary and executed all the priests and all the seminarians. Okay, Now, this lady, Bella Dodd, she entered the Communist Party And in 1930, and uh, Stalin said that the greatest enemy that communism has is the Roman Catholic Church. And the way to destroy it, he said, is to recruit men who have no vocation, no faith, no morality. Recruit them into the priesthood, let them get through the seminaries, and they'll cause havoc in the priesthood. And that's exactly what they were doing. And she said, she she told Bishop Sheen when he converted her in 1950, she told Bishop Sheen, I personally recruited between 800 and 1,200 men to enter the priesthood to destroy the Catholic Church from within. So you think some of the problems were spontaneous? I don't think they were. I think these people were all set. And you know what she also, she also said? She told Bishop Sheen why had four contacts high up in the Vatican, cardinals, who were probably masons working with the communists. See? You know Alice von Hildebrand? You ever hear of, she's on EWTN? She's the one who told me about Beledad. She knew Beledad personally. She told me that Pius XI had trained a number of priests, gave them false identities and everything, to go into Russia and begin to form an underground church. Okay? False identities. Everything. Every single one of them was captured and killed, which meant there was an informer in the Vatican. So, we, I mean, we can't be naive. We mustn't be naive. Evil can infiltrate. And obviously, Satan's, I mean, Stalin's idea would come from Satan himself to destroy the Catholic Church from within. So, could that have possibly been the reason why Pius XI didn't do the consecration? I suspect some of those factors were there. Pius XII. Okay. What happens now? When Pius XII becomes the Holy Father, all right, 1942, that's the 25th anniversary of the Fatima apparitions. 1917, 1942, 25 years. The bishops of Portugal are having a great celebration. They want the Pope to make the consecration, but a new element entered. In Portugal at the time was an, a mystic. Her name was Alexandrina de Costa. She was beatified by Pope John Paul II okay, toward the end of his life, okay, she received, she had suffered, she suffered the passion and so on, she received a message from the Sacred Heart to ask the Pope to consecrate the world to the Immaculate Heart of his mother. So, we got this request coming from the Sacred Heart to Alexandrina. Of course, Lucia, Sister Lucia, has got the request of Our Lady of Fatima to consecrate Russia to her Immaculate Heart. So two requests come. Now, the Portuguese bishops are not going to ask the Pope to make two consecrations. So they said to Sister Lucia, ask the Pope to consecrate the world because the Sacred Heart wants that. And Mary would have no objection, right? She said, do whatever my son tells you. All right, so Sacred Heart wanted that. Blessed Mother wants Russia. So they said, tell the Pope to consecrate the world with special reference to Russia. And that's what Pius XII did. He mentioned, consecrate the world, and then he put it this way. He didn't mention Russia by name. What he said was, that country where your icon used to be venerated but cannot be venerated anymore but will be venerated again, Russia. Okay? Now, at at first, Sister Lucia did not want to do that. I guess she wanted a Blessed Mother to be the main one, right? And the only one. But she went to pray in the chapel and Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament told her, do what the bishops told you to do. So, two requests. And then, and he didn't mention Russia by name, Pius XII, because he was trying to be neutral during World War II. Remember, Russia was our ally. See? He would have infuriated the Americans and the British. Plus, he would have been open to the criticism, why didn't you consecrate Nazi Germany? But the Muslim mother didn't ask for Nazi Germany. She asked for Russia. See? So that's why he did it that way. Now, later on, what happened was, uh, but the only problem during World War II, he couldn't contact all the bishops of the world, so he didn't make it with all the bishops. What happened, so it did not bring about the, cons- the, uh, the, the uh, conversion of Russia, but because of that consecration, World War II was shortened by two years. Jesus had promised, if that consecration was made to his mother, he would shorten World War II. And it was right after that the Battle of Stalingrad took place, and it was the first major victory by the Allies, okay, in World War II. Now, in 1952, Pius XII again tried to consecrate Russia, but he didn't do it with all the bishops, so that didn't make it. Now the the message. Okay, 1960. Remember, Sister Lucia, she's writing. She, for some reason, she kept that third part of the secret. She was told keep it secret. The other two parts she had already revealed uh, about the vision of hell and the idea that Russia would an error would be in Russia and so on. But the third part about the Pope getting shot, she wrote that in a separate piece of paper. She was very sick in 1944, and the bishop there told her. There is still part of the secret you haven't told us. You must write it. So what she did, she wrote it down, she put it in an envelope, and she wrote 1960. Okay? And she said, she the reason, now that was not from the Blessed Mother. This is important to understand. The Blessed Mother didn't ask her to put 1960. She put 1960 there because she figured by 1960 all the contents of this third secret would be understood. Well it wasn't. When when John the twenty third was Pope in nineteen fifty nine, three months before nineteen sixty he read the the Third Secret. You can imagine who's this Pope that gets shot? He sent it back. You know, I remember a friar who used to read all the Italian magazines, he said Pope said now's not the time. And people were very disappointed. Remember we had zero in 1960. We want to hear it's going to be a catastrophe, you know. And then they began to 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 uh, get hysterical, some people. The pope is withholding, you know, that there's going to be a natural catastrophe or there's going to be a world war or the devil's going to take over the church. All those crazy things were going on, see. And that hysteria continues. All right, what happened? After John twenty third read it, who's the next pope? Paul Sixth. right? He read the message. And he must have said, Well, who's this Pope that gets shot? Send it back. John the twenty, John Paul I didn't live long enough to read it. And John Paul II didn't read it until he got shot. Remember, he was shot on may thirteenth, Feast of Fatima. Okay? And he should have died. He lost four and a half pints of blood. That bullet went all through him. That's why later on he said one hand guided the the gun, but another hand guided the bullet. It missed every vital organ in him by fractions of an inch, you see. So what happened was that he survived that, all right? And he he actually had gone home. He was three, three weeks in the Gemelli Hospital, went back to the Vatican, got sick again. They rushed him back. The second time he was at the Gemelli Hospital, he realized... May 13th, Fatima. May 13th, I got shot. Let me see the third secret. Once he read it, and he saw about the Pope who got shot, he said, that's me. And he had such gratitude for the Blessed Mother saving him. He said, it, he said, it wasn't so much that the Blessed Mother saved my life. She gave my life back to me. That's the way he put it. you know. So he said, I'm going to make the consecration. He even wrote the prayer while he was in the hospital, in Jameli Hospital. Then in 1982, May 13th, one year after the assassination attempt, he went to Fatima, and he wanted to make the consecration there. He had left it in the hands of some courier people to get the letters out to the bishop. They didn't do it. He was furious at them. They delayed the whole thing. And so what happened was two years later, you know, of Sister Lucia told him, the consecration was not made. All the bishops didn't do it with you. 1984, he took care of it himself. He sent the, the letters out on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, 1983, December 8th. December, and then on March 25th, 1984, the Feast, the Solemnity of the Annunciation, he made the consecration right in Rome. They, they took the statue from the cova, brought it there to Rome. There were 800 bishops with him that time, plus all the bishops around the world. When they sent the notices out, 2,800 plus bishops sent back their signed things that they were going to make the consecration with him. And out of, what, a little over 3,000 bishops. So the overwhelming majority made it. And even Sister Lucia said the Pope did everything he could. Now, if you do the best you can, you can't do better than that, right? And so the Mother wouldn't expect more than that. And, um, and they made the consecration with him. And again, he followed the same pattern as Pius XII. Consecrated the world. And that's why people bring up an objection. I got it in the back of my book, another appendix. The objections to the consecration of Paul, John Paul. Why did he consecrate the world? Now you know, because the Sacred Heart asked for it. Pius, John Paul simply did the same thing Pius XII did. The Sacred Heart asked for the world to be consecrated to his mother. Then he mentions Russia, Russia without mentioning Russia by name. He was going to mention Russia by name, but the reason he didn't, the the, uh, communists had their, the Russians had their tanks and their soldiers on the eastern border of Poland. He was afraid if he provoked Brezhnev, Brezhnev would have sent his tanks in and crushed Solidarity. Remember, Solidarity was the, the means of bringing about freedom in Eastern Europe, right? The people started to get the feeling of freedom through solidarity in Poland. He, he didn't want to risk that, you know. And um, and so he made it without mentioning Russia by name. But you read in my book, exact way Pius Twelve did it, John Paul did it. You know, not exactly literally word for word, but a similar pattern. Consecrate the world, Russia, special reference, and so on. And Sister Lucia said, heaven accepted it. And all the messages were finally given out. So that's what happened to the consecration. John Paul made it, you know. And um, and Sister Lucia used to be very offended when people said the consecration wasn't made. She was very upset with that. And she said when people would say the whole third secret is not out, the whole secret came out. Cardinal Ratzinger, I remember I had a copy of it uh, was inside the Vatican. They put out a special edition. He had the actual photostat of the handwriting of Sister Lucia. You know, unfortunately, somebody else put it out uh, on four pages instead of two. The original was two sides. Okay, one sheet of paper. That's what they said was in that envelope in 1960. So you're going to hear a lot of other little crazy things. Believe me, it's over. It's done haven't accepted it. Now, has there been any change in the Soviet Union? Yes. Very dramatically. Within one year after the consecration, Gorbachev came to power. Remember we talked about gloss not and change of attitude and he allowed religion. He himself said religion was taught by our grandparents when it was forbidden to teach religion. And then, um, so within six months, we, uh, or one year rather, we had uh, Gorbachev in power. 19... 89 5 years after the consecration the berlin wall came down without a shot being fired okay 3 years after that 1991 okay on christmas day over the kremlin the soviet flag came down with the soviet union all those countries that russia had subjugated that flag came down the flag of russia as a nation went up all the nations were free. He dissolved the Soviet Union. Gorbachev, he was the president, so he dissolved that, and that's that. All happened after the consecration. Now you had to get rid of that before the consecration could start taking place in the hearts of the people. Because remember, all the churches they destroyed, they, they were they were the, they was atheistic for seventy-five years. You don't change that in one day. See, that's another thing people are misleading, saying, well, we had the consecration, we should have had the conversion, everything should be all peaceful. Blessed Mother didn't say that. In fact, if you if you follow that kind of line of thinking, you might as well throw out the rest of her message, prayer and penance for the conversion of sinners. She wants our involvement. That's why I said to you about the five for Saturdays, prayer and sacrifice that she asked for, for the conversion of sinners. And that's why we've got to do our part. The rosary... You know, being faithful, um, and I'll, I'll just I'll just summarize, and then I I don't want to get too late here. Uh, the, the next three apparitions, August, okay, uh, in the August apparition, uh, the children were abducted. Remember, they were brought to a prison in a city called Orem. The, the administrator there, he deceived them. He said, "I'll take you to the the uh, you know uh, apparition site." He took them that people didn't know where he was. They were in this prison cell with, all these, with a couple of prisoners there. In fact, it's true. They said they got the guys to do the rosary. And even one guy had a little concertina. And he was playing it. And little Jacinta, she loved to dance. She danced with one of the prisoners, you know. In fact, in the movie, if you saw the movie on the 13th day, uh, Sister Lucia said, the way I will always remember Jacinta was the way she danced that day in the prison, okay, with the prisoner. Um, so... You know, uh, they, they did not, the apparition did not take place then on August 13th. But what happened, down from their homes, was a little place called Valinos, and the Blessed Mother appeared there on the 19th of August. Okay, and uh, she said, if the government had not done that, if they had not abducted the children, the miracle in October would have been far greater. Remember when Jesus, the gospel said Jesus couldn't work any miracles because their lack of faith distressed him? Because of the lack of faith, because of the harm they did to the children. Remember, they threatened to boil them in oil. And the children were willing to die rather than to reveal the secret. They wouldn't do it. They, they really had the grace of martyrdom. They were all set to be boiled in oil. Huh? How, how cruel these people were. Huh? So, The next, the September apparition was very simple. Blessed Mother said to come back and, you know, next month, and I will appear three times. You will see St. Joseph. The only other saint to appear at Fatima, besides Our Lady, was St. Joseph. Now, on October, okay, this is the great miracle of the sun. 55,000 people is what they estimate were in the cova. And for another 25 miles around, about another 20,000 people saw the miracle of the sun, okay? And it had rained for approximately two days. The ground was soaking wet. The people were soaked, you know. And um, they came to the kova, and the children came. And, uh, you know, they were praying, and it was kind of getting a little bit, people were really getting upset. You know, they wanted to see a miracle. They wanted to see it. And all of a sudden, as Our Lady, Our Lady revealed to them who she was, she said, "I am Our Lady of the Rosary." Okay, and um, uh, she she told them that you know the b- about the the message. And then Lucia said, "Our Lady, you promised the sign," and Our Lady pointed to the sun. And now, the three children did not see the vision. They did not see the miracle of the sun. They saw the Blessed Mother appear to them three times. I'll explain that in a moment. When, when the Muslim mother pointed at sun, son, Lucia, who was in an ecstasy, she doesn't even remember saying this, she simply cried out, look at the sun. And all the people looked at the sun. And all of a sudden, the sun started to break through the, crowd, the clouds. And all of a sudden, it began to sway. Now, I, I was in this man's ra- uh, hotel there in Fatima. His grandparents were at the miracle of the sun. And he showed me a photograph. He said, all the people are looking here, this way. The sun is always on this side. That's how far the sun was moving in the sky. The people, the, the, the light, the bright lights from the sun were making the people appear yellow, orange, and everything else, flashing in the sky and everything. But then it seemed to lo- leave its orbit and started hurtling down to the earth. The people thought it was the end of the world. Imagine it would be the earth would be engulfed in the sun, right? They're screaming out their sins, a lot of them, huh? Panicking. And, and by the way, a lot of people had gone there to mock. Hmm? To mock the whole thing. They didn't believe it. They said nothing's going to happen. Boy, did they get a surprise, huh? That's for sure. And then all of a sudden, it all stopped and the sun went back. You know what happened after that? <laughs> breeze came through. Now, the breeze did not affect the trees. None of the trees, none of the leaves blew or anything. It affected where the people were. They were all dry. The ground was dry. The clothes were dry. Somebody said it was like getting your clothes washed when you're wearing them. Hmm? <laughs> you know, that's exactly what happened. Okay, and um, and so uh, the the, uh, the the people went home. You know, believing for sure. That's for sure. And um, but what did the children see? I tell you, they didn't see that. What they saw was our lady three times. First time. St. Joseph appeared with the Christ child. They were blessing the world. And Our Lady was with them. She was Our Lady of the Joyful Mysteries. Okay, In the second apparition, she was Our Lady of the Sorrowful Mysteries. She was Our Lady of Sorrows. But Christ was with her. He wasn't suffering. So it wasn't the Sorrowful Mysteries. He was a young man. And many think that's the luminous mysteries that Pope John Paul gave us when Christ, was a young man, was was almost prophetically seen in that triple vision, and finally, the the glorious mysteries. Our Lady appeared as a Carmelite. She came as Our Lady of Mount Carmel. You know, that's that's what she did. She came as Our Lady of Mount Carmel uh, to be victory. Why Carmel? Well, because remember, Mount Carmel in the Holy Land is where Elijah the prophet, you know, battled those 450 false prophets, and he won. So Mary. The Glorious Mystery is the victory. You know, she's symbolizing the victory of Christ. So um, Our Lady So Our Lady came later on, you know, to um, to ask for those the consecration as well as the five first Saturdays. And that devotion, as I said, if you want to start putting something in the practice, practice the five first Saturdays devotion. Try to get little prayer cells maybe in your parish. Get a mass on Saturday. Get some people. Have a holy hour or at least say the rosary and then spend 15 minutes after that. A beautiful way to carry out Mary's message, okay? And Pope Benedict believes that this is what we must do. I'm convinced we don't need to come up with another plan. The Blessed Mother gave us the plan. Well, all we got to do is do it. Do it as her loyal sons and daughters, her loving sons and daughters, because she loves us. She doesn't want any souls to be lost. And you know those little children, when you read this, they became so zealous. They became so generous in their sacrifices. You know, I, I when I was reading that stuff, I was just so inspired. I, I said, what love and a little heart like little Jacinta, you know, and, um, and Francisco. He was so simple. But those are the ones God chooses, right? And then Lucia, she carried out her mission very greatly. So I'll stop here.